The Pilgrim's Progress Reloaded. Chapter 20, Anadose's Library. Christian gasped and opened his eyes, which seemed odd. How was he in a new place? This time he felt no pain. He sat up. It was night. He was lying on the sidewalk of a high school campus. A few feet away, a set of stairs led down to a large plaza. Next to the stairs sat a purple-haired girl. The girl was looking towards the plaza and didn't seem to take any notice of Christian. She was looking through the scope of an enormous sniper rifle, a weapon that seemed far too large for her. Finally, you're awake, the girl said without moving from the rifle. Awake? How had he gotten here? Hey, this may sound sudden, the girl said, still looking through the sniper rifle. But would you join up with us? Join up with you? I don't understand. Where am I? You died, right? This is the afterlife. You have to fight. You'll get obliterated if you don't. The afterlife? Christian folded his arms and looked at her suspiciously. This doesn't look like the Celestial Station. The Celestial Station? She looked over at Christian with an amused look. Why would we be there? What are you, some kind of moron? Maybe a little. Who are you? Christian said with a tone full of distrust. She smirked. We are the not-dead-yet battlefront. Christian stared at her. I'm sorry, what? We used to be called Afterlife Battlefront. Then I Wanna Be Dead Battlefront. That name lasted a day. Man, were people upset about that one. We're still open to new name ideas. You got any? Uh, no. Christian looked closer at a rifle. Is that thing real? It wouldn't be much good if it weren't. We have to be on our guard to fight the enemy. Look, here she comes. Christian followed the point of the sniper rifle down to the plaza. A small girl with white hair walked across the plaza. She looked like a younger version of Truth. Who's that? That's change. She's been fighting us since before I can remember. She may look like a sweet, innocent girl, but she'll obliterate you if you're not careful. Okay, Christian said. I think I'm done here. I'll go talk to her. He walked down the stairs. What? You can't do that? You'll be obliterated. Ah, what the expletive? I used to be such a great recruiter. Christian ignored the purple-haired girl's protest. This had to be some kind of dream. So he didn't care much about dying. Not that dying would matter anyway. How different was that from his past existence? He reached the bottom of the stairs and approached the young girl with the white hair. Hey, I should probably tell you that there's a girl up there pointing a sniper rifle at you. She didn't look concerned. That's all right. Her voice sounded almost monotone. Not robotic, just weary. That's all right? It's not as if anyone can die here. Why can't they die? Because everyone is dead. Christian raised an eyebrow. This was a dream. So it's not as if he expected logical conclusions. Still, it just seemed odd. Already dead? That's impossible. This can't be the afterlife. What about final judgment? The girl cocked her head and looked at Christian as if studying some strange species of animal. Oh, I see. She wasn't smiling. You think this is the afterlife for those who have physically died. It is not. This is the afterlife for those who have died spiritually. What's the difference? Not much. Usually those who have died physically have a greater impact on the living, though. Ouch. Anyway, that girl back there with the sniper rifle said she was part of something called the not-dead-yet battlefront. She says you're their enemy. I'm just trying to get them to act, to cure their apathy.
They think if they can defeat me, they won't have to do anything anymore. It's quite sad, really. They wish to find validity in their inaction. That sounds dumb. Perhaps. But it is easy, and that makes it attractive. Then what should I do? Christian said, pleading. I don't want to be spiritually dead. Really? The girl looked surprised. You wish to be awakened from your apathetic slumber? Yes. Okay. She stretched out a hand. Guard skill. And Sonic, a blade appeared out of her wrist, and she stabbed Christian in the chest. We'll be back with more Pilgrim's Progress Reloaded after these messages. The Pilgrim's Progress Reloaded is brought to you by Rage Shadow Legends. Yeah, that's right. Rage Shadow Legends is a sin. No, I don't need to elaborate. We now return to Pilgrim's Progress Reloaded. Christian gasped and opened his eyes. He really had to stop doing that. He sat up and looked around. He was in a small, old-timey dormitory, reminiscent of a renaissance university. The room was a mess. Clothes and detritus lay strewn about all over. The only clean part was a large mirror at the far end of the room, which reflected the entire room. What now? Am I really dead this time? Is this supposed to be hell? Nope. A voice said. Christian looked towards the sound of the voice. A skeleton sat chained near the mirror. Christian jumped back from the skeleton. Talking skeletons? Really? I'm not the skeleton, the voice said. I'm back here. Christian turned around. Behind a stack of papers was a woman sitting on a bed. She was dressed in the finest garments Christian had ever seen, even greater than anything truth or love had worn. She seemed completely out of place in the trashed room. She looked like love, but with brighter hair and more sunken, depressed eyes. Christian said, Where in the name of George MacDonald am I? I don't know, she said. I've been trapped here for weeks. And you haven't cleaned the place up? I can't. Look. She reached down to pick up a pair of dirty undergarments, but they wouldn't move. Christian reached for a book, but it also was immovable. This doesn't make any sense. I think I've figured it out, she said. Look. She pointed at the mirror. What? I don't get it. Look closer. As far as Christian could tell, the room was the same in the mirror. A man walked into the room. Christian looked around, but the man wasn't present in the room he was in, only in the mirror. The man picked up a book and set it on a shelf before sitting on the bed and going to sleep. Christian looked back around the room. The book was now indeed on the shelf. The shelves had been empty just a moment ago. How is this possible? I think, the woman said, the more important question is, what does it mean? This man in the mirror is leading a disheveled and disgusting life. He thinks it only affects him. He doesn't know about us. He doesn't know the effect that his depravity is having on others. We would like to improve things, but without help, it is impossible. You think the man in the mirror will change? Let's hope he can, and it won't take some monumental sacrifice. Perhaps if he could see us, then we, he would have hope. Christian walked to the mirror. I'm not waiting for somebody else to change their life to fix things for us. Looks like this mirror is binding us to him. So if we could break it... He pulled back his fist. Wait, no! The woman shouted. Christian punched the mirror. The sound of shattering glass. Then darkness. 
there is a scene break here, but I'm out of jokes. Make up your own. We now return to Pilgrim's Progress Reloaded. Christian gasped and opened his eyes. He now stood on a massive flying machine high in the upper atmosphere of a planet he didn't recognize. Below him was a rotor for the flying machine, but it wasn't moving. The rotor on the opposite end of the flying machine was moving, but that seemed insufficient for keeping it aloft as it slowly drifted towards the planet. At one end of the vessel, several people climbed a ladder into an escape craft, but at the rate the vessel was drifting downward, they wouldn't have time to escape. He looked closer at the immobile rotor. Why had it stopped? The rotor was jammed. One man was crammed into each of the three blades. Each wore identical clothing and had the same face and body type. Clones, perhaps? They looked a little like Zealot, but without his fiery passion, and each was a little shorter. The men appeared unharmed from being jammed in the rotors, and spoke with varied levels of concern at the predicament. Christian couldn't make out what they were saying, so he moved closer. Now we are all in the same boat again, one of the men said. I think I can free myself, another man said. When the man moved, the propellers started spinning again. The three men became a blur of movement. Then the rotor stopped, and the three men were trapped, just as before. Don't, the first man stuck in the rotor said. The rotor is only stuck because we're all in between. As soon as one of us moves, it will start running again. Then we all die. But, the second man said, if we continue blocking the rotor, then the high boat will crash. One way or another, we're all dead. Just how did we manage to end up in this stupid situation, the third man said. I'm sure it's the culmination of a fascinating and well-designed German adventure game that details the events leading up to this moment. What? The other two men said. Don't look at me. You two messed it up this time. What? Can't come up with a cunning plan for once? The third man said. Let me think. The first man paused. Nah, it's completely hopeless. So we can relax then, the second man said with an edge of sarcasm in his voice. Self! A female's voice cried from nearby. Girl! The three men said together. A tall, thin, auburn-haired woman in a white jumpsuit walked up to the rotor and looked down at the three men. What's happened here? It doesn't matter, the second man said. You have to get us out of here, the first man said. Preferably before the high boat crashes, the third said. It's a little too late for that, the woman said. All the rotor failures have damaged the engines. We're able to hold the high boat in position for now, but evacuation has already started. We've only got minutes. Get me out of here, the second man looked up at the woman above the rotor, pleading. You can only save one of us before the rotor starts turning again. Come on, make a decision, the third man said. How can I decide, she said. I don't even know who's who. I am self, the first man said. He's lying, the second man said. I am self. They're both bold-faced liars, the third man said. I am self. Oh, great, she said. Can the real self give me some sort of proof? Of course I can, the first self said. Simply trust your heart. The woman looked deeply into the first self's eyes. An eternity of memories seemed to flash between the two. Times of struggle, chaos, triumph, and love. My heart says... She sounded uncertain. Um... Perhaps the one in front? She pointed at the second self. What? No, the first self said. Forget that bit about your heart. There are more reliable methods. Look carefully. I'm much better looking than these two scarecrows. The woman scowled at the first self. You all look the same. Christian called for help, 
but the four people could not hear him, either because he was too far away or because the illusion was not meant to be tampered with, as if this image was sent as a message. Who cares which of us is self? The first self said. Just leave us here and save yourself. The most important thing is that you survive. Ha! He just gave himself away, said the second self. Exactly, said the third self. The real self, uh, that's me, would never say such a thing. You're right, the woman sounded sad. That really didn't sound like self. Could you have changed that much? She peered into the first self's eyes. The real self will never change. You know that. The third self sounded sadistically triumphant. Then perhaps it's just another trick to look good. The woman's look changed from sadness to uncertainty. No! The first self looked down at the long fall to the planet below. It's true. I'm not self. He pointed at the second self. He is. The other two selves looked shocked. What? Collecting himself, the second self's demeanor changed. Um, yes, yes, sure, he's right. I am self. The woman looked at the first self, then the second. Is this a trick? A last desperate maneuver? She looked back at the first self. If I help him, it's too late to change your mind. You're going to fall and die. Definitely, the first self started to move. Just think, how can I be the real self? The real self is never going to give up. He'll never change. And he'll never... He pried himself free from the rotor. Let go. Stop, the woman said. The first self, the true self, fell from the rotor. The second self pulled himself out of the rotor. The blade spun, lifting the high boat up and away from the planet below. No. The woman reached down towards the image of the real self falling towards the planet. No. The platform lurched upward and Christian fell, screaming. He sailed down towards the planet after self. Christian fell for a minute. The planet grew closer and closer. Hello, Christian, a familiar voice said. The interpreter was just a few feet away, falling with him. Interpreter? What are you doing here? Do you understand, Christian, about self? This is a dream, a vision. Actually, it's a scene irreverently stolen from a masterpiece of interactive storytelling, but yes, do you understand? Sort of, but explain it to me anyway so there's no confusion. This seems very contrived. Self was a scoundrel who would sacrifice anything to get what he wanted, but his true goal was the heart of the woman Goal. Her name was Goal? Turns out old-timey theological epic fantasies aren't the only works of fiction that use overtly obvious allegorical personifications. Ultimately, Self's plan was brilliant, really. It was the only thing he could do. A genius plan, from a philosophical point of view. The ultimate altruistic deed. Granted, you didn't see everything leading up to this point, but Self, the oh-so-selfishly-resolute Self, finally changed at last. Not only was Goal saved, but so was everyone trying to escape the high boat. And a bunch of other people, too, but I don't have time to explain all that. Christian didn't respond. Christian? Christian tried speaking, but his throat had grown dry. Oh, no, I think I've kept you under too long, the interpreter said. In an instant, light filled Christian's vision. He gasped and actually opened his eyes. 
What's the meaning of all these weird referential scenes? Has the author completely lost it by adding in all of this original weirdness? No, actually, that that's uh that's not original. This is this is in the original book. There is a sequence in the original Pilgrim's Progress where he goes through this weird vision quest of seeing all this weird stuff. That's not me. They're like that's in the original book, which you would know if you had read the original book. Seriously, why are you listening to this? Why aren't you listening to the original Pilgrim's Progress? Uh, I mean, uh, you you should listen to this Pilgrim's Progress Reloaded. Uh, join us next time to find out if Christian will. Die or not? I, I guess there wasn't a very good cliffhanger in this one. The Pilgrim's Progress Reloaded was written by David Umstad. Audio editing by William Umstad. And the real audio recording engineer was the friends we made along the way.